You're locked into Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaterski, Bold Claim, Ben Yelich, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Statman. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast is part of the BICBP radio network. Check us out online, www.bicbp-radio.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast. Uh, I am EZD. I am joined by Statman, Stat Dad, whatever you want to call him. Uh, it has been a while. It has been a minute. We kind of rolled through the college takeover episodes with Ben and the boys and the Dirty Alf running running things. And uh, the summer's kind of been taking a break because it's just been wild, crazy, busy. Jobs changing uh baseball season for the two of us well me more than you this year uh <laughs> and all kinds of other stuff the the yellich boys playing lacrosse working jobs also uh taylor taking over at a bar who knows there's a lot of cool things going on with Never us have life happen to me yeah no kidding but we're back we're going to try to be uh on par here because you know football season is what we do and there's gonna be some changes coming to hats stats and stats potentially maybe a little bit of a rebrand maybe a little bit of a a change of, of view. However, things are not going to change. You're still going to have us calling the shots, doing what we do. Uh, might be a new name or something like that. We're still working the details out on that part. However, it is still going to be us doing what we do with hot takes, weird arguments, and all kinds of fun stuff here on the BICBP radio network. Uh, and we're going to mostly focus on football. We, we've tried this thing for a few years now where we kind of do, it's a pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York. And then, we're, I mean, we go hard all football season long. And from there, we talk a little bit of stuff in the offseason or on bye weeks. And we we will talk about the Sabres a little bit. We'll talk about the Bandits a little bit, the PLL, other stuff going on in sports. But, you know, it, it's so tough to keep that content rolling when really football was the passion that started this whole thing. And we had a lot to talk about with the Bills. So we're going to focus more on that. We'll do some of the other stuff uh, and also it allows us to be able to take a little bit more of a break in the summer when the football news is slow and all they're talking about is what Stefan Diggs ate yesterday and why that means he hates Josh Allen. Well, so, there's there's that sports dead zone too. You know what I mean? Where nothing's really going on. It's it's just oh, yeah, it's okay. the dog days of summer. Like right. it's the PLL. You have one random football league playing right now. I think the AAF or the AFL or USFL or whatever the hell it's called. It's not the XFL. Um, you have that going on, but you know. But like I, the the dog days of baseball, it's the the games that matter, but only kind of because we're on game what one hundred and two of one sixty two at this point. Mm, a little bit past that, just uh, one one twelve, one thirteen. Okay. So I was like ten off, but yeah, you know, it's it like there's one hundred and sixty two so of them is ballpark it. No pun intended. Get, get close. Yeah, I mean, how much can you really talk day to day to day about baseball? And specifically pro baseball and what's happening, because by the time you guys hear something, four games have happened and some of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. I think it However, depends on how how good your team's doing. Correct. Like if you're, if you're just undefeated, and you're doing well. I mean, you can gush for a little bit, but I feel like when things are going bad, I mean, not just you and I, people can complain or like whine about their team until the cows come home, until they're blue in the face. Negativity can move mountains. People have no problem talking about all the bad stuff when it's going on. Correct. Yeah, I um, I think it's going to be a good move here for us. It's going to be something fun for us to kind of get into everything, you know, with football and stuff like that. And that being said, I mean, we haven't talked much over the over the summer here about football, specifically about our beloved Bills. And that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Buffalo Bills offseason heading into preseason here uh, tomorrow. 1 p.m. Bills Colts preseason. Josh isn't playing. Diggs isn't playing. I saw a funny tweet put out that shocking. Uh, yeah, right, right. Like, wow, shocking. Top. You, um, you're gonna gonna see a lot of big names probably not play tomorrow. Those are the big two that were announced that we're not playing. Uh, but somebody put a funny tweet out. It was one of the guys from Cover One, I believe, was basically something like, "Oh, look, Josh and Josh and Diggs hate each other so much they can't even play together anymore." I, I did see that. They couldn't be on the same field. They couldn't be within 100 yards of each other. Yeah. Maybe there's a restraining order going on. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, it was funny. And, um, you know, it, it, that whole drama behind all of it, you know, and slow news days, right? I mean, how often did we just see, like, update on Steph Diggs, like, every hour on the hour, and then, like, 15-minute retweets of that? It was brutal. Well, that's what it is. We we just talked about the the dog days and 
There's not a whole lot of news going on. So anything and everything qualifies as, you know, newsworthy. So that was a whole thing for like two solid weeks. I think there was, there was all anybody could talk about what was going on. And then you got all the keyboard warriors and, you know, rocking chair GMs going, oh, we should trade him while his value's still high. Yeah. He's owed like $90 million. There'd be like $70 million in dead cap. You know what he's not getting done? Trades. It's just not happening. So, yeah, that was and somebody put out something along the way that was something to the effect of like, it is not impossible for the bills to trade digs, but here's the type of scenario it would take. And you read through it and you're like, that's not worth the time to talk about. Right. Well, again, just the dead cap, just with with them kicking the can on the street and doing that, you know, contract restructuring that we're hearing of uh, like almost every team does it now. It's pretty commonplace. Um, where you move those guarantees around to free up some salary cap space. Um, he's got a whole ton of money. He's making 27, 29, 29, 30, like average million dollars a year. He's one of the highest paid receivers in the league. Um, and he's got 60, 70 million dollars in guarantees coming. Like we're going to pay him all of that money. And even if you trade him, you still owe him also all those guarantees. Right. So it's like, we're so would you rather? pay him $70 million to play for us or pay him $70 million and have him play for somebody else. Yeah. And at the end of the day, let's, I mean, let's really talk about this. So obviously it was concerning (coughs) when he, uh, you know, he showed up and then didn't participate in OTAs, but that was originally reported that Diggs is not at OTAs. Diggs was at OTAs. He came in, he had a conversation with the coaching staff and they thought it better to part ways for the day, come back tomorrow. And obviously, after day one, all of that, uh, probably unexpected from McDermott's standpoint, where he, he was sitting, wasn't probably wasn't planning that conversation with you know his top receiver, but fr- frustrated. And probably the only time in his career that he let something slip, that he was very concerned about the Stavon Diggs situation. Right. And people ran wild with it. To the point that now it has all been resolved, right? It, the whole thing has been, he was there the next day. Everything is fine. Diggs and Josh are Diggs and Josh on the field again. Be like, But then people will come out and be like, oh, uh, Shakir was the, was Allen's favorite target at, 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 at camp today. What do you think Diggs thinks of that? I don't know, man. Like who, like what are they working on? Was he even on the field at the time? Like, was it is. Was he just day? throwing reps to other guys? Right. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's been insane. It's I'm glad it's over, but I, I think it's going to be something that we hear about all year. You know, well, I think th- that I think that's part of the issue with uh, when you have things like this, like drama rama that goes on, that you you open the door to these types of. Now we're kind of talking about it like it was in a ridiculous conversation. It was just silliness, and it's probably true, but. When if you're Diggs, and I'm not saying it's his fault, I you know who knows what's said behind closed doors, but he's a a, a fired up guy. He's hyper competitive. He wants to win. Um, I think he got frustrated with the offensive play calling last year and and how we were running things as a team. And I, I don't necessarily blame him, but something that I say all the time, like how you respond to things matters. Like if he came in and said, "Hey, listen, we need to have." conversation um there's ways to to scheme me open like there's routes and stuff like that where i can you know have choices maybe at the top of the route and and have him be sort of custom and you know and you can find ways to get me the ball um and there's like maturity in having the conversation and then what again i don't know but how i think that conversation went is Diggs walked in and went yo what the f like you need to get me the ball and went prima donna wide receiver you know what i mean and got all fired up and was like demanding the ball, like, I don't know, every other receiver since the beginning of time. But I just, I don't know if that's what happened, but if it happened the first way, no one's upset. No one misses practice. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no drama. I I think it's gotta be somewhere in the middle. I don't think he walks in, like throws his playbook down and was like, fuck this, get me the ball. But I don't think he walked in and was like, hey, coach, so can we talk about this a little bit? I have a question or two. I was wondering if we maybe, you know, spread the ball my way a little more. Like, I'm sure there was a conversation that started fairly civil. And I mean, there's arguments on both sides. You know, right. they're, they're, some of the biggest games, I'm not getting looks. I need to see the ball more. And, and, they, and their response was just like, well, you're covered. Okay. Or, or, or they, res- move me into slot or move me around or put me in, like, do anything, like, do something. Or, or the response was, I don't know, man, you were 
top three in like in targets and receptions last year. <laughs> you're you're arguing about being the most targeted receiver in, in in the in the world. Well, I think part of it was that he had a lot of his statistics dropped the second half of the year. Like the first half of the season, he was on fire, and right. then it really tailed off the second half of the year. Yeah, and it was all like it, it's funny too because when you look through things, you know, all like team stats as a whole went up during that there during that time. Like so, Diggs's personal production slowed down a little bit, but the team as a whole, like our running game picked up. And I mean, Bill's mafia has been clamoring for a running game for 10 years, five years. I was gonna so, say. <laughs> um, you know, still I, clamoring for a running game, but we'll see what happens. And I mean, I, w- I would sit here and argue like, okay, so we're clamoring for a running game. If we run the ball more and then like give, put less pressure on Josh and there's less looks for our receivers. Is that going to cause more problems with digs? Because he's going to say, I want the ball more. But if the overall time, like the amount of times we're throwing the football goes down, there's less football for people. So I, I don't necessarily think it's his targets. I, th- I think winning winning matters and it's what we do in those losses. Right now, it's super easy to be negative in a loss. I mean, I, I, you know, what I mean, well, winning and cures a lot of ills. You know what I mean? Two, that that's a two thing. perfect examples. You know, 13 seconds. One of the worst ways to lose a football game and lose the possibility to punch your ticket to the Super Bowl probably ever. Right. And at the end of the day, Diggs didn't throw a fit. Diggs wasn't upset because offensively, we were dominating that game. I mean, our offense was clicking on a level that the NFL had had never really seen. And there was no bitch fit. There was no throwing of any... The only image that we had of Diggs that after that game was standing on the field watching the other team celebrate to, right, t- to remember like, that like, as, as like a, a mental snapshot of I don't want to do this again. The following year, we get buried by the Bengals. And Twice. since some of, some of the stuff that's come out, <laughs> like the Bengals, they were running very like they, they didn't deviate from their routes like they were still running, you know, more complex route trees and stuff like that. And the bills like throttled back being like, well, the weather's going to slow us down. So we're going to stick to the base nine on a route tree. And there was no single moves. There was, it was very, a very basic scheme and they were covered because you're not making the defense move. You're not causing chaos for the defense there. I can sit on base routes and be, and be fine. When there's, there's a lot of things that, that, are like that that are are very frustrating from a defensive perspective. And I hope a lot of those things have been solved now that Leslie Frazier's not there. I was never really a fan of him. Um too too soft, you know, prevent defense only prevents you from winning. I don't you know what I mean? Like it's it just happens all the time. Right. Um and, and that game was it's it's what everyone it's the, one of the main talking points that everyone brings up. Third and three. You got guys playing five yards back. Uh, five just, seven seven to ten. Oh right. You just gave them a first down. Like what would you say you do here? You know what I mean? Like what's going on? So now again, I'm going to, my bold take, and this is just me perhaps being, uh, I don't know, a negative Nancy here on this Friday. Um, now I understand that he just got a contract extension and I understand that there's no way in hell that the guy, he got the job, like he helped Brandon Bean get hired. There's no way that Bean's going to turn around and fire McDermott. Like they're a package deal. My whole thing is there are no more scapegoats. Tremaine Evans is gone. People have been like polarized on him forever. You think he's good. I think he's rough. Like he's, there might have not been a more polarizing player on our entire roster or in our division, maybe even the conference than Edmonds. So, all right, he's not there anymore. And now Leslie Frazier's not there. You fired him. So he's gone. And you fired your special teams coordinator when 13 seconds happened and then didn't squib kick. Like, like all these is like you, the buck stops at you, man. Like you are the head coach. We can keep firing coordinators. We can keep firing. You know what I mean? We can get rid of these players that aren't up to snub, whatever it is. You're the head coach. This is your scheme. I think in a lot of ways, Leslie Frazier was doing things that you asked him to do. Like McDermott is a defensive head coach. There's no way he had no input on our defense to fully blame Leslie Frazier, who again, I'm not a fan of, but I could not say it's a hundred percent on him. There's no way that McDermott shows up to their meeting rooms. He goes, yeah, man, whatever you want. And has no input on it whatsoever. Being a defensive head coach, I don't think. You know what I mean, it's, I don't think it's necessarily not having any input as much as it's more along the lines of in game. It's his job, 
Right. No, like, correct. I, but I guess my point is people want to blame Frazier. I think McDermott has a lot of the blame for some of those defensive things. So now that you fired Frazier and it's McDermott calling the plays, if we continue to see the same thing, we're going to look at it and go, oh, shit, you know what? It wasn't Frazier. It's the head coach. McDermott's the problem. Not for, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I'm interested in this season to see how that goes. Defensively. I agree at the same token, we're sitting here talking, like we're sitting here talking like our defense was atrocious. Like, did it let us down in some of the bigger spots? Yeah. Uh, Like two, like the last two years, very specifically at the same token, both of those years, we were a top five defensive unit. Like, see, like, and I I don't believe and as much as I'm the stat man and I believe in those things, you and I have had this conversation. Do you truly, honestly feel that we were an elite NFL defense? Watch any game. And I would go, nope, that's not it. No, no, we're even close. Oh, but we're ranked top five or whatever. Yeah, because we were up 28 to three and they had to throw nonstop. So our pass rushers was able to just pin their ears back like game. It, it dictates. Do you know what I mean what you do when you I, know exactly I, what I they're doing? That. Like we we are not a top five defense. Our safeties were both hurt. I don't think Edmonds is very good. Trey White looked like he had lost a step. Half of our defensive linemen are borderline useless. It's we are really, really not good. And people go, we're top five. No, 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 we're not. We played dog shit teams and we were up on them big and it, it it skewed the stats in our favor. We are not a top. We're not today. We're not a top five defense. Last year, not a top five defense. Maybe two years ago during the 13 so, seconds year. That might have been it. I'm I'm intrigued to see where this defense lands. One, because we everything, everything coming out of camp right now is very much. The defense looks different. Right. They're they're showing mixed fronts. They're showing mixed pressures. It's not this sit back, let them go three, three, three and punt, three, three, three and punt. Mm-hmm. It's they're gonna go maybe a two yard gain if they're lucky on a run, then a three yard loss and a seven yard loss, and we flipped the field twelve yards. Like right. that's you know, that that that's what's coming out of this, you know. Defensive schemes that's confusing offenses that's, you know, making it tough to read, tough to know who's doing what, where, when, why, and how. You you have to disguise those things. Right. It's like part of your job. You have if they know good quarterbacks, Mahomes, Burrow, these guys, you have to at least try to confuse them, to move somebody around to throw them something they haven't seen before. Because if you just sit back there in a not unless base might not be the wrong word, base defense. It it was very much a base defense. Right. That they're just gonna go, oh, okay. I mean, I look at the Eagles have one of the best defenses in football and like Mahomes is like, oh, we're going to just we're going to motion Tony this way. And one time he's actually going to cut across the formation and get open on that side. The next time he's going to stop at the tackle and go back the other way and they're going to be flat footed and he's going to score. A touch. Like it was just the same exact play. One time he went one way. Right. One time he went the other. It was just and, and we, talk, and we talked like, about that specific like that specific example. The last time I think you were on the show, it just it's one of those things where I think. I think we were talking about Andy Reid's offensive creativity, just Correct. doing stuff to, yeah. to manipulate. And like, I, I think when you, I think that's the thing that you, you lost when it was, you know, Frazier calling the shots in game is he was sitting back and saying like, I believe our front is good enough to make, to create pressure. And I believe that's going to extend plays enough where our guys, it's easier to gain ground than to backpedal, especially when the weather sucks. And, but again, I mean, two years before to, in the 13 seconds, you had a play called by a tight end. Like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to run seven yards and stop. Give me the football. Right. Throw it to me. Like, it's it's going to look like we're going deep. I'm going to stop. Give me the ball. And, and he got 27 yards on it or whatever. Right. I mean, and then and then he looked at Hill and said, we're going to run the same play, except you cut underneath me. You're going to catch the ball and be gone. And that's damn near what happened. We ended up stopping him. But then, I mean, two plays, two plays, eight seconds. Yep, they're Six, inside 60 the 10. yards <laughs> and, and they're and they're inside the 10. Yep. And like that that was literally like is this really what they're showing us right? Is this really what they're 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 very obviously in a prevent defense here. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that creativity that because we saw a couple years ago, oh, excuse me, a couple years ago there were instances where McDermott took the play the defensive play calling away from Frazier when we were getting stagnant, when we were getting basic, when we were not disguising things and the defense picked up to another level and got us like, and, and turned the game back around for us defensively. And like, people are like, Oh my God, is he going to do this full time? And he 
gave it back to Frazier. They talked about it. But I think the last couple of years, he's looked at him like, if you're going to be in this position, I need to run the game. You you run the defense. I manage the game. Like you call the defensive plays. That's what you have, that's your job. Right. Unlike, unlike somebody like Andy Reid, who sits there, calls his own plays, and his offensive coordinator can't get a head coaching job anywhere because right. no one believes it's him. He, he's just taking other coordinator positions. Yeah. And now people think he's too intense, which I just thought was funny. I know it's off topic, but like, yeah, you see any of those where the players were complaining to Ron Rivera that he was yeah. too intense, that he yells all the time. Yeah. Po- positive and negative. All you're doing a great job out there. Like, even if it's positive, he's right. just screaming just it. Just like, screaming he, he, right, he's just yelling at everybody. Okay. But yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see like how, how this looks for our defense. Cause I, I do believe that our defense can be top five, if not the best in the league. My only question is what are we doing with our at middle linebacker? Mm-hmm. And I sit back and look at this and say, all right, man, you were one of those dudes like we don't need to pay it. We don't need to pay Edmonds. He's not that good. We don't need to pay him. How do you feel about our middle linebacker position right now? I mean, I thought they would do anything else than pick up a third round pick to be a starter. Do you know what I mean? Like just address the position. They just well, didn't do anything. And do you know what I mean? He, so how do I feel about it? I don't feel great. I still don't like Edmonds, but that doesn't change anything. Those things aren't mutually exclusive no i mean i would i would feel better if we had Edmonds. i think just just from a a five-year vet standpoint as opposed to a second-year guy or a rookie i would agree with that that doesn't make him good that just means he's better than a rookie or better than a second-year guy that that bar is exceptionally low that's not anything you know what i mean it's just i don't i don't think the bar is low i i i think you undervalue him personally i think his athletic ability and his like is he your i'm gonna run through a hole and Barry Leonard Fournette three yards deep like I'm Fred Warner. No, but that's not which is unfortunate. We've been running. Well, like, and Fred, and Fred Warner is one of the best in the league. That is like, and that's that's not like I'm talking about the style of player. And Fred Warner can go sure. sideline to sideline just as well as Edmonds can. He's just built a little bit different. I think Edmonds probably goes sideline to sideline a little bit better. Oh, he he might be the fastest linebacker in football. You know what I mean? It's Edmonds for, is, is for, insane athletic. For for me, like it's just that. Or maybe Bobby Wagner. He's not going to be that dude that just runs downhill and stuffs a run. Sure. You know, and, and which is why Edmonds also struggled when he got, you know, when he when he got picked up by guards early because we didn't have tackles that were garnering double teams because of injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to have that problem this year. I think adding the depth that we've added at defensive end is great. I've heard Epinesa looks like a fucking brand new man in camp this year. Groot has looked fantastic. A lot of people were high on the on the, on a trade boogie Basham train this year, and well, he's been, again been next to useless. <laughs> like almost no positive plays that I can remember. I mean, so here and here's the biggest thing: like we when you when you talk about defensive linemen, you remember the guys who make the splash, right? You remember the guys who get the sack, who make the big stop in the backfield, like. I I remember a guy who was a healthy scratch for two thirds of the season. You're not even good enough to be dressed for a game. That was a waste of a second round pick. We could have used that on offensive line. We could have used it on. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, sure, if, and if he's not good enough to even dress for games, then uh, I know it's, it's relatively early yet. It appears as though that was just a flat out waste of a pick. See, when guys I, like I, I don't know. I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how he pans because we're taught like it's one of the biggest things that uh, Big Diesel and I talk about all the time is that people expect Hall of Fame greatness from guys that are 22 and those guys are rare. Like not, not everybody's there. Not, not everybody is that the day I get drafted, I am an NFL stud and how like the amount of times that guys play through their rookie contract, leave the team they're with and are a star somewhere else. And teams go, how the fuck did we miss on him? Well, it just took him a minute, you know, because he's going against guys that are 28 built like shit houses and have been playing NFL offensive line for, I don't know, seven years. Well, to me, then a lot that that to me, there's like the scheme doesn't fit or it's coaching. Like so if you can't I, coach these guys up, then that, that I feel like that's also a problem. Do you know what I mean? Well, like you, it's you, not, that's, you can't, you can't coach physical growth. I mean, you can, you can train them in a the weight room and stuff, but there are just some dudes who don't hit that athletic peak until 25, 26, 27 years old. Like we're we're talking about kid dudes who are more on the kid side of things than they are on the adult side of things when they get drafted, for the most part, right? Like your athletic peak is supposed to be between twenty four and twenty seven, twenty eight. 
Right. Like, so when you get a dude who's 23, just coming into that against a dude who's just been doing it for five years and is in that, like the, the top of that athletic peak, there's going to be a difference. There's the, there's a reason that not every draft pick is a hit. And there's a reason that some dudes go undrafted and are studs and some dudes get taken in the first round and flush out in three years. Like it's, that's just how that works. And you can't coach some of that physical development. I also think one of the things that works against specifically our defensive line draft picks is the rotation that we run. Mm -hmm. I mean, we guys fresh. Yeah. You know, keep keeping guys fresh is one thing, but also it takes three games to get one full game of experience or the snap kind of the snaps, right? Well, most guys, I feel like, I mean, there's a handful of guys in the league that play. I'm like DeForest Buckner plays every snap. You know what I mean? There's there's not a whole lot of guys that play. If your team does 800 to 1,000 snaps in a season and you play all of them. Right. Most guys are like 60, 70%. Donald might be up there. Chris Jones might be up there. Well, Again, and Buckner's and, up there, but yeah, most those, guys those need a break. That they, they come out when they, need, when they need to catch their breath. Right. Or <clears throat> on the rare occasion that the scheme doesn't call for their expertise. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, our top guys are at like 50 to 60%. That's tough to develop, especially when you're not one of those top four, then you're at like 30 to 40%. But we need the depth because we roll the rotation. So I, I'm intrigued to see what those guys do, what, you know, what Epinesa does this year, because I think, you know, him cutting, cutting weight, going into camp a couple, like for the last three years probably hasn't helped. He's also been that guy. He doesn't make the splash play, but his, I mean, you want to talk analytics and stuff. His grades haven't been terrible. They've actually been on the better side of good. It's just, he's, he, he's the guy that, you know, fills a gap, you know, beats a blocker and flushes someone the other way or moves, moves the pocket a little bit. And someone else is supposed to be there to make the play. He doesn't hit home. So, oh my God, he sucks. What a waste. Like, not everyone makes the tackle. Not everyone makes the play every time. Like that's and it's not. It's not like he's right. not making plays because he's getting buried or because he's missing. That's just not what he's being. That's not what he's being used for. And I'm intrigued to see how all of that changes this year. Well, so somebody and, else and, calling the shots. And I agree with you. But my issue is, so not everybody makes the tackle every time that everybody gets home. That's fine. Somebody needs to get home. I don't care who that guy is somebody's got to get home. If well, nobody's getting home, but, oh, they're all, they're, they're win, they're pass rushing win rates, the best in the league. Great. How many sacks do they have? Three? Okay, that's not good enough. I don't care how often you beat the tackle. If you don't get to the quarterback, it's irrelevant. It does not matter. Jerry well, Hughes, he was beating guys all the time. How many sacks do you have? None? Okay. Useless. Cut. Goodbye. It, well, it, so, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to get home. I don't care which guy that is. Basham, Epinesa, Groot. I don't care who that guy is. Somebody's got to get to the quarterback. No, right it, now, nobody's getting there. And how much of that is due to the fact that these guys are beating their beating their blockers, and we're playing seven to eight yards off the ball, so the ball's gone. I was, and that and that's fine too. I mean, I, we talked about that. Some of it's coaching, some of it's scheme. I'm I'm with you on that. And, that, and that's, 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 that's 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 what I was getting to. to like that's that's what I'm intrigued to see how that changes this year. One, the introduction of like more consistent blitz packages, more consistent pressure looks and playing a little bit tighter to the line, playing, you know, things that are going to, you know, slow the offense down to allow those front four to hit home or to allow the blitz we send to get there because the way we've been doing it for the last, I don't know, year and then a little bit has been pretty tough of, I mean, if you can go snap one, two gone, no one's hitting home. No, right. like, and frankly, that's how the Dolphins offense is built. It's built to get the ball out ASAP because that offensive line is not very good. And two is made a paper mache. So, uh, but there's even times that like, you know, the, the quarterback does hold the ball too long. Sure. And he, they're just rambling around or whatever like that. And I'm just watching our guys get just eaten up and nobody's getting home and nobody gets through. It's like, you know what I mean? I don't remember. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but we weren't real high in the league in in sacks. That we were like twentieth or twenty second, like we were in the bottom bottom ten as far as sacks produced by a team. Well, let's take a look. That's what I was doing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 
13, 14. We were 15th. We were dead middle. Uh, and dead middle. So we were actually tied with the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Dolphins for sacks. One behind yeah, we, the Giants. We were at 40, 40, right? One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. So we were tied for tied for 14th. One behind the Giants, three behind the Commanders, four behind the Colts and the Niners. So I, I mean, you're four sacks behind the Niners who that's the only t- thing people ever talk about with that team is that defense and how they give ever how they always have a shot to win because of the defense. So, well, I mean, Nick Bosa gets 18 and a half by himself. <laughs> they have guys that are just elite playmakers, right? So they had one dude get 18. We finished four behind them as a team. I mean, on the other end, the Eagles had 70 right now. I do. I do account a lot of that to the fact that they play, you know, the commanders twice a year who didn't have a quarterback. I think they have elite players at the position. I oh, think. absolutely. Jo- Josh that, Sweat is really good. Hassan Reddick is elite. They, you know what I mean? Oh, the, the half the Georgia defense is playing. You know what I mean? And now they got Nolan Smith there who's also rushing the passer. Like they might hit 70 again. Like, I don't know what the se- single season record is, but they'll, they'll push for it. They will go after it. Right. And I mean, I mean, not that the Rams were very good last year because of injuries and they just kind of fell apart, but like, that Broncos defense was supposed to be very good and very daunting. They had 36. We were ahead of them. Like, I, I wouldn't say we're necessarily terrible in the department. Obviously, I mean, the next closest team to, to the Eagles was the Chiefs at 55. So, right. Things are skewed. One team did really, really well, and the next number two was 15 behind. Right. And we also had one less game. So, I mean, you get two or three sacks that next game, and all of a sudden we're sitting right behind the commanders. Like, I, you, you never know. But, that's regardless. I mean, uh, let's see. Where were we? The concerning part is that we were, oh, we are, we were fourth in, in interceptions. That makes sense. I mean, again, if, if that's if that's your goal, if you're playing coverage and backing everybody up, then well, you and, would hope I mean, that you would come up with interceptions. That's kind of the point, right? Right. And you'd also hope that, I mean, usually your sack rate or your sack total increases that for you. Because if guys are throwing with dudes in their face, they're not making great throws. Right. Uh, we were not good in the fumble category. But again, I'm intrigued to see how all of this changes and how 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 these the adjustments may. I mean, I think I think their roster as a whole got better. Um I think it got better again. from last year, still probably down from two years ago. I like my my biggest concern is middle linebacker. Apparently we have two or three guys that have looked solid there between Bernard Specter and I don't remember who the third one is off the top of my head. Dorian Williams or I mean uh, William, Dodson William? or Dodson. Dodson because yeah. Williams has been kind of rolling as uh, a backup to Milano. Well McDermott doesn't like starting rookies anytime, anyway, any shape, any form. He just, he just is not a fan of that at all. I'm not really sure why. But. I don't understand it either. Because like because at that point I'm I'm sitting here saying like I don't know. Maybe you should draft a dude. Like, if you don't think they're good enough to start, then why are you drafting them there? Right. And like that, I that that part I agree with you with. Um, I you know, taking Boogie Basham over. I mean, there's who is it that uh, tackle for the Chiefs that's starting every game right now in a top five tackle in the league? Or well, Creed Humphreys went after yes. him. He's like the best center in football. Yeah, no big deal. like that. That would be great. At the same token, I think it's easier for offensive linemen to start too. I and like, I also it's also easier to sit back and say that now like at the but at the time okay so we take him and now you have two starting caliber centers which isn't a bad problem to have but would he have been starting? Yeah, who knows? I mean, well, we I think we didn't we give Mitch Morris like he got that one year extension or something. It was just one more. They gave maybe you don't do that then if yeah or you did draft they, the next guy or did they, or somebody did, moves over the guard? It's Right or or did I mean did they do that before the draft and right because that like this way we're not looking for a center this year type thing I don't know it's I don't remember it all but and again it's always 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 easy to sit back and look at the draft and be like how do we fucking miss how do we fucking miss for sure hindsight for sure I think people just look at it like okay you took Rousseau in the first round and then doubled up and took Basham in the second we needed back-to-back pass rushers like we, there was no other position that we you know what i mean like there's well, nobody else that we liked and, and then to to throw the other side of that argument out there at the same token the year before we literally sat there and went we need guys who can get pressure we need like uh, none of our linemen are hitting home 
the same conversation we just had. So Correct. we addressed that saying we have a starting caliber. So we have a starting center, a solid starting center. So yeah, we're going to go try to find those dudes that can hit home to make the other side of the ball better. I, obviously the Von Miller trade then happened, which kind of made it like, okay, now we have three. I don't know. My, my other thing here is, you know, we, we talk about this and, you know, I made the point of not every, not every draft pick is starting caliber right out of the draft. Sure. And, you know, uh, listen, mo- most, most, aren't. most, most, most of them are not, Um, you know, and some of these dudes come out and again, our defensive line rotation is another issue. Uh, the other thing that, I mean, we got to remember who some of these dudes were. Now I'm, I'm a big Spencer Brown fan. I'm really hoping he turns it around this year. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely pulling for that one because if he doesn't, we're in trouble, but two, I mean, we're talking about a dude who big, strong, nasty, athletic. And when they drafted him in the third, because again, he was a third round draft pick. They were like, this dude could be the steal of the draft. This dude could be a gem and a half. Well, you can coach a lot of things. You can't coach six foot seven, 330 pounds. You just are, or you are not. That's yeah, you, you, can't, you can't coach mean, you can't coach drive. You can't coach a motor, uh, but they're like this dude, you know, he's going to need some time. He's not a start. He's not a step in and start guy right now. And they don't need him to be. And then injuries happened and he was a starter and he had a decent rookie year. I mean, for what he was, he was solid his rookie year. And then last year, coming off a back injury and back surgery in the offseason, he had a down season. And everyone said, like, oh, what a fucking bust. What a waste of time. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Coming out of the draft, every single person on the planet had this dude as maybe ready to be a starter as his, in, in his third year. We've already gotten more out of him than we ever expected to. Right. O- only because the injuries forced him into a situation Correct. that he maybe wasn't ready for. Correct. So now, but now we're acting like he should be the best right tackle in football. When he's just now hitting that point where, like, the experts, quote unquote, were essentially saying this dude isn't going to be ready until right now, they should be considering starting him. Maybe. I, it's tough to hate on a dude like that. Well, the, I mean, I think a lot of people have high expectations. You know what I mean? Are they fair expectations? Probably not in, in all likelihood. You know, but people have high expectations that people would have expected us to win a Super Bowl already. And it's tough with the Tom Brady's and the Patrick Mahomes of the world, but at least, at least go to one. You know what I mean? I know, but nobody wants to just go and then lose again for the fifth time. But I think people just, they get caught up in their, their Buffalo hype. And we have the, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to say the third best quarterback in the league. And they, they just expect what they expect. You know what I mean? And and to lose heartbreakers like 13 seconds and then, you know, to, to, to your point from earlier, just get smoked by the Bengals. I mean, really not once, but twice. Because before the DeMar Hamlin thing, I, they were killing us. I mean, they went right downfield and scored. Burrow was like 7 of 7 for 80 yards and a score. I mean, that was dumb. And then we go 3 and out, and then they get the ball back and go like 6 plays again, and we're like about to score, and DeMar Hamlin happens. And I'm like, oh, okay. And there might have been more points than that. They might have kicked a field goal, or, or was it fourteen nothing? Fourteen, yeah. I, I mean, it was not. I, I was. I don't know if I was missing the playoff game or, or that first uh, I, game I, on Monday I'm, night. I don't. I don't know if they actually scored. They scored. Time. I. I don't remember. All I'm, I remember saying after the playoff game, like, wow, they scored three consecutive touchdowns again. I mean, if you're going back to the Debar Hamlet game, that they scored three consecutive touchdowns, and we didn't stop them. Right. That Burrow on those three drives was like 16 of 17 for 157 yards and three touchdowns. Like nothing. No answer. Completely bewildered. Just unprepared. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying you're ever going to fully stop a guy like Burrow or Mahomes, but like, for the love of God, man, make him punt once, kick a field goal, something, anything. Three, four straight touchdowns, change the station, make an adjustment. You know what I mean? Wow. What you're doing is not working. Do something else. We never did that. We well, don't and, and ever that was do those- that. That was one of those things too, where you kind of saw, you kind of saw a little bit of things going like, "Where the fuck is that game?" Canceled. There we go. It was seven to three. Okay. So they like they went down and scored, and we went down had a shot to score to tie the game to be like, all right, let's set a tone. Let's, you know, there's going to be a shootout. 
and we settled for the field goal and they were marching again when the Hamlin incident happened. Right. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they were literally just on their way to do whatever they wanted that game. And that was also an interesting part because at one point, you know, in, in that opening drive, Josh looked up at the booth and was rolling his hand like, let's go, let's run tempo. They can't run with us. Like, we will wear them out before they wear us out. Let's fucking do this. And Dorsey was taking his time and like, and, you know, and then we sputtered at the end and, you know, at some point, you know, it's the one of the more annoying things that people say these days, but like at some point you gotta let, you gotta let the boys cook. If, you know, if Patrick Mahomes looked at Andy Reid and was like, big boy, let's fucking move. You'd think Andy Reid would be like, fuck yeah. Right. Don't worry about it. I, I mean, feel- I don't know. I, I do think that there are times that he's like, hey, man, we got to reel this back in. It's my job as the coach to make sure that you're not, you know what I mean, playing hyped up. Like, we let's let's keep it, you know what I mean, to pull back in the reins a little bit. I think there's a time and place for that, but yeah, but I, I, but I know what you're saying. I, I would want my... I would want my coordinator in that situation. It's a big game. We're paying this dude to be the future of the franchise. Uh, like if my, if my man is looking at me going, let's, let's run it as a, as a head coach, I'm probably getting on home and be like, bro, push it. Like at no point was, did anything look out of control? I mean, we were moving the football and Josh wanted to put the gas pedal down and it looked like Dorsey kind of went, okay, let's pump the brakes. We're getting close here. Let's, let's kind of size it up. Like, no, I want all brakes, no gas or sorry, all gas, no brakes. I want everything to just go this year. And I think we have the team to do it. I think the fact that we have three running backs that are going to be two of them have extensive starting experience. And one of the, and neither one of those dudes is going to be the starter. I think that's awesome. I think the fact that we're going to struggle to like, what five dudes do you want on the field? We know it's going to be Davis. We know it's going to be Diggs. We know it's going to be Knox. We know it's going to be Kincaid. We know Shakir has looked good. Hardy has looked good. Um, the dude that we just brought in, Sher- Sherfield or whatever, Sherfield, something, yeah, from the yeah. Dolphins. Like he looks, he's been making unbelievable catches. Like to the point that they're talking, he may look the best out of the three, out of those three, competing for that wide receiver slot slot spot. And like, I just like that he had size that everybody we picked up was so small that I was like, oh, finally, a guy who's like six two two thirty. I'm like, OK, like <laughs> he won't be tackled with an arm. It's right. And I mean, oh, on top of all of this, Gabe Davis apparently looks like the second coming of Eric Moulds. This it's, there's so much training camp hype like it's <laughs> I always I always think it's funny. Um Somebody always wins Twitter. You know, or I'm sorry, X. What you know? What is I don't know what the new thing is now. Whatever. I still what are the call kids? it Twitter. I don't care. Yes. I'm with you. It used to be a bird. I opened up my phone one day and it was an X. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, who downloaded something on my phone? Turns out it was me. Um, so much training camp hype. So I, the other day I saw a video of uh, it was Jamar Gibbs, right? From the because the Lions are getting all the hype in the world. I think they might be the most hyped team in all of the NFL right now. Um, but Gibbs out of the backfield, like he had a, a what his his coach or something like that was like just kind of like standing in front of him doing these little head bobs or whatever, and he like did a little shimmy and then ran like to the corner of the end zone and caught a pass. And the tagline for it was like, "Oh, Lions fans erupt! Uh, if you weren't sure about how Jamar Gibbs is going to be used, you know, you better be sure now." And so, like the top comment was like. So he uh, outran his 57-year-old running backs coach, ran uncovered to the corner of the end zone, and caught a lob pass from a third-string quarterback. You're right. You know what? I'm sold. He's yeah. legit. And there's there's just so much of that. Like they're they're sometimes they're not even wearing pads, and I'm like, that doesn't count. Like, you, let me know when a 250-pound linebacker jams him at the line or like truck sticks him over. You know what I mean? Like. No, when you get hit in the mouth once or twice, it's like, hey, that's different than not any having any pads on. It's also funny when you talk about it because you're 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 absolutely right. There's a lot of training camp hype. There's a lot of you know hubbubaloo out there, but you can also kind of tell what's eyewash and what's real. You right. Know, I see a dude at full extension laying out, catching a ball and toe tapping in the end zone, then hitting his knees in the end zone, and then fall like then his upper body hits out of bounds. You're like. Yeah, like that ball was between three defenders in the spot only he could catch it. That's a great fucking catch. And then you see like, oh, another dot by Tua. And it's like, that's a 35 yard ball that the receiver had to come back to. And it got him tackled. 
like that dude had five yards of separation and growing and you under threw him with a wobbly spiral. That's not a dot. But like, so like there's, there's definitely a difference between training camp. eyewash and seeing somebody make a play that you're like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, dot, uh, uh, Kincaid one-handed right. catches, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And you're looking like, yeah. And he also knows he's not going to get his tits lit going over the middle right now, which right. the NFL <laughs> is trying to limit that in real play, but it still happens. So, right. you know, again, there's definitely a difference between camp hype and legitimate, like things to be excited about the, everything that I've heard, um, about Gabe Davis. And I mean, like as highlights are coming up right now, I, I have heard a lot of good things about Gabe. <laughs> so we'll see. Like I'm, I'm excited to see it. So, uh, as we start to wind down here, what is your first, let's go with your, biggest position battle you're the most intrigued in your biggest concern and the thing you're most excited about with the bills this year Ooh, uh i know i'll put you in the spot i like so well well they're 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 kind of the same kind of so either one of these positions could go in either direction um middle linebacker and corner so like which which position battle and which one I'm concerned about, depending on the day and what highlight camp video you're seeing, it, it could go either way. Um, I want to see Elam potentially take the next step to be a, a starting corner. I don't know. You know, is the Trey White that we saw last year who didn't quite look Trey White-ish? You know what I mean? Um, is that the guy we have now? Or was he still recovering from that ACL and can he bounce back to the all-pro level that we expect him to play at and that we hope he can get back to? Um, so I'm intrigued about that. Um that our secondary could be a go back to being a phenomenal strength, having Poyer and Hyde back, plus a healthy Trey White. Elam taking another step forward. That is a chance to be the best secondary in football, or Elam doesn't really take a step forward. Trey White's still not that same. You know what I mean? Like it could go down for us very badly. Um, and again, the positional stuff, it's just the middle linebacker, to your point earlier. I'm intrigued to to see who it is. Um, I think it'll wind up being Dotson, just as the guy who has the most experience. Um, to me, I don't think it's, it's bail inspector. I don't think it's, that's Terrell Bernard. I feel like the re you draft Dorian Williams because you didn't think that the answer at middle linebacker was on your roster. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you, if they felt confident at the draft that that guy was on the roster and he was going to be our guy, I don't think you have to draft another middle linebacker to go with like now AJ Klein's in camp and they brought back Terrell Dotson on a one-year deal. And you, you know what I mean? You're like, we have seven middle linebackers. Like, I don't think you draft that guy if you were confident, you know what I mean? And then really, I don't know. The thing I'm most excited for is, uh, I don't know, offense scoring points. Do you know what I mean? I think our, I am having like heart palpitations because our division's way tougher than it even was a year ago. So that'll be, Interesting. I think there's a very real shot that we don't win the division. Now, I have put money on us winning the division. I hope and think we will. But um, I don't think it'll be. It's not a bold take. Let's put it that way, that the Bills don't win the division. I think I could very easily seeing it happen one way or the other. Yeah, I. I'm very I'm intrigued at the same two position battles. Obviously, that's those. Those are going to be. You know, the two biggest things coming through and out of camp is who takes who takes CB2 <clears throat> Trey White CB1. It's going to be that is that is what it is until it's not right again. Hopefully he's back to form. I've heard he looks more like his old self again. It, it's all camp hype, but he looks like he's not tentatively moving around. He doesn't look like he's, you know, getting beat or scared or anything. So who who CB2 is. I'm excited for. Uh the middle linebacker spot they have uh so there's no starter listed on the bills webpage shocking <laughs> um espn has dodson first bernard second specter third all three of those guys have really truly and honestly looked good in splashes and even playing some last year cuz obviously we had linebackers that missed and Stuff like I mean, those dudes filled in, and those there were times like, all right, I like this dude is moving, this dude's fine. I remember Specter specifically being excited. In preseason games, him. I was like, this is the guy. He's Clemson guy. He, this is the guy. Yeah, he looked good. Um, again, Bernard and Dodson both looked serviceable. I'm intrigued to see how that goes. Uh, Dorian Williams, I'm I'm not a fan. Like, why do you 
I mean, we got we got Milano locked up for a long time. And they actually so ESPN has Leonard Floyd as our weak side linebacker. Uh, I believe he's going to be playing more of an edge role from what I've heard. No, he he is a pass rusher. Right. One hundred percent is going to be playing an edge role. And they have Dorian Williams as his backup uh, on this on this list. So they list Rousseau, Oliver, Daquan Jones and Von Miller. Maybe this is no, this can't be just last year. Uh, with Epinesa, Phillips, Settle, and Lawson behind them, Boogie, Puna Ford, Eli Anku, and Kingsley Jonathan behind them. But then it's got Floyd, Dotson, and Milano. So if we're running out a 4-3, a true 4-3, they have Floyd listed as our weak line, weak side linebacker. That's not a thing. Right. Uh, so I, honestly, what I could see in this, in this situation, if we're running a true 4-3 defense instead of that quote-unquote big nickel, is that Dorian Williams is that third linebacker playing Milano's position on the other side that I could 100% see, which then makes sense to me. Are we going to run more of a four true four, three this year? Or are we just going to stick with that big nickel that we were in most of the time last year? Right. Um, Taron Johnson looks to be that big nickel corner coming out of camp so far from what, uh, from what I've heard or Taron Johnson or Dane Jackson. I don't know. I've lost. I've I, lost I, I thought it was Taron Johnson, but that I think that was contingent on Elam winning the number two role. Correct. Because if he doesn't, then that is him playing on the outside. Correct. Um, and going from there. And then uh, my biggest concern is that offensive line. So obviously those two, those position battles I'm intrigued in. My biggest concern is our offensive line. Uh, I have faith in McDermott and his defensive prowess to find, to figure out a way to make our defense work. We've done more with less. I mean, we had a point where we had AJ Klein and whoever was Milano's backup three years ago as our starting linebackers. And we didn't really lose a ton. We just had to figure out how to, mold the defense to make that work and we did under mcdermott and i'm i have all the faith in the world that the man can do what he will what, what he's doing my concern i want from dawkins the uh, they have mcgovern listed as a starter bates uh and spencer brown i'm intrigued to see what our new rookie does i i want that starting offensive line to look like it should look and we know what we're getting with some of these guys I'm not a big Dawkins fan. I don't like his lean and grab style. That's my big question mark. My big concern. Um, the excitement is just bringing getting back to Bills football. I want to see. I'm excited to see Dorsey in year two. I'm excited to see McDermott calling the defense and doing his thing that he, you know, what he cut his teeth doing in the NFL and right. what got him the position he's in now uh, and how he uses this team. Um, I do believe that our division is better even than they were last year. I am not overly concerned with the Dolphins because that offense is very good. But I, again, I mean, we were in three dogfights with them with Frazier calling our defense. Frazier does, did not impress me the last couple of seasons where also think, 117 degrees in Miami that one game. Right. Uh, I also think that there's a lot to be said there for McDermott throwing things at Tua that he's not going to easily and quickly diagnose, which is going to put pressure on the weakest part of their team, which is also their offensive line. Uh, I'm also intrigued to see the Jets because, again, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't look like Aaron Rodgers last year. And with the exception of a couple rookies added to him, he's got a pretty similar offensive lineup with him that he had the last couple of years in Green Bay. The big difference is his offensive line is better. I think, well, I think their, their defense is better. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. I, I think that the skill positions are better. I mean, I think Garrett Wilson's better than Christian Watson. And I don't even know who the second guy is, whether it be Corey Davis or I don't know who the hell they just signed him to. He was a Green Bay guy. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. So better than Romeo so, Dubs. I don't know. I mean, so they're, they're starters right now are Rogers, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, and uh, Alan Lazard and Corey Davis with Randall Cobb probably and McCole Hardman as their next two in, I would assume. Right. And Ty Conklin's are starting uh tight end. Again, that all sounds well and good. Like all good. Garrett Wilson was a stud last year. Brees Hall was on the verge of being rookie of the year and possibly an MVP candidate before mm-hmm. everything started. This offensive line is solid across the board. But I'm sitting here looking at this going like if Aaron Rodgers is aging Aaron Rodgers. That you still have a you still have a quarterback. Now, is he going to be smarter than uh Zach Wilson and Mike White? For sure. So is he going to make dumb choices? Probably not. 
You would hope not. I'm just, I, you know, this team is good. They're going to be defensively sound. I think they're, I think, I think them and the Dolphins are going to be in a dogfight for number two, personally. And like I said, I, I, I think we're going to win. I hope we're going to win, but I don't see us winning 13, 14 games like we did last year. But I, I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope that our defense is better and, and Gabe Davis doesn't drop some crucial passes in big spots and time will tell. Last one, I last one I got for you here because then I got to go get back to work because I've been on break for over an hour now. Um, so <laughs> big one here, and I have this. I have a bet with Rotten Jack now. Rotten Jack from Common Debauchery, another show of mine here on the BICBP Radio Network. Hashtag copious plugs. Um, he's a Bengals fan. It makes Sundays, it makes Sundays debatably <laughs> insufferable at times. However, we have a bet going. There was a thing put out that Jamar Chase told. Um, Joey B that I don't care. Take as long as you need to be 100% miss the first five weeks, like come back in week six and we'll roll. That's fine. And I looked at him and said, that's a ballsy call because I don't know where the Bengals sit at. If they have five full, if they have a first five weeks without Joe Burrow. And I ran through the schedule what did he say? Five and all. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He went five and oh, naturally with, so, with no Joe Burrow with no Joe Burrow. Okay. Uh, Trevor Simeon, I believe is the backup there. Oh, Mr. Denver Bronco. Okay. So week one's at the Browns. Week two is against the Ravens. Week three is against the Rams. Week four is at the Titans and week five is at the Cardinals. I think they might go two and three. I think they could beat the Cardinals and they might beat the Titans, but it also could realistically be one and four. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals are probably the closest thing to a sure thing that they would have. Because without Burrow, I mean, I don't think I mean going into Cleveland, like Cleveland's better. Deshaun Deshaun Watson, I mean, he took I mean, took forcibly took some time off. Um, he didn't just forget how to play football. Like he's gonna figure it out again. You know what I mean? Like that division is gonna be crazy. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'll take anybody with their starting quarterback over almost anybody with a, a backup quarterback. Just the long and short of it. You know what yeah, I mean? There's not 32 good starting quarterbacks in the NFL, which means that when you have backups, right? Probably not as good as the top 32 or LA exactly somewhere. Um, yeah, he. So the the standing bet that we have there is if they're over, if if he misses any time, okay, any time to start the season. And they are above 500 without him. I owe him dinner of his choosing. If they're under 500, he owes me dinner of my choosing. If they're five, so he misses two weeks and they go one and one, it's a push. Okay. I don't think he's going to miss any time. I think he'll be ready for week one. I mean, it's a, it's a calf strain. I mean, it's not like he tore something. That was the other interesting side of it is that like the way that conversation came out was concerning from a standpoint of like, why are your teammates talking about you missing up to five weeks to get healthy for a strain? Like you should be kind of back to moving around and getting ready to do it in a week or two here. I I think he was being like facetious. Like, hey, man, be healthy. I, I don't care when you come back. Don't make any preseason. Whatever. Come back week five if you want to. And we'll roll from that. Do you know what I mean? I think he was just saying in a sarcastic tone, like, hey, man, you could miss the first five weeks of the season and we'll come back and we'll roll it. Don't worry about it. Come back healthy. Right. I don't think that meant he was going to, or he was in risk of, he was just like, I mean, Joe Burrow would have to have like his leg duct taped on to like miss any games. Like he's going to go out there. He's a competitor. Uh, I'm just looking at injury updates real quick. Harris day to day with a knee issue. Diggs hobbled today, but appears fine. Floyd hobbled today, but appears fine. Bernard injured something to monitor. That's not ideal, but well, it's, uh, you know, good to be back. Good to be back here in hats, tats and stats. Hopefully we have some cool updates for you guys coming up in the near, uh, near future here with potential name change and just kind of a little, well, we won't call it a rebrand, but maybe a little bit of a rebrand and just focusing on bills football and the NFL, the way we do, uh, with some fun sports talk when we want to in the, in the meantime, um, stat dad, thanks for, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for taking some nap time with me. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, as always, guys, Hats, Tats, and Stats, part of the BACBP Radio Network. Check us out online, BACBP-radio.com. Tune in on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Follow us on 
the social media hats tats and stats podcast on twitter at hts underscore pod on instagram twitter and tiktok i don't really do much on tiktok for this sorry about that uh, maybe that'll change if i you know feel bored but uh, until then thanks for tuning in guys and as always go bills